Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. It's Pastor Andrew F. Carter coming at you from uh, Big Bear, and it is 5.30 in the morning. You guys, I'm, my, my, my Wi-Fi is a little spotty. I'm not sure how this is going to go, and it is freezing out here. It is cold. It's cold. I, I've been sitting in the car with it on, warming it up for the last hour, getting in my word, getting in prayer. But good morning. As you guys tune in, let me know where you are and what time it is where you guys are tuning in. And please be patient if the Wi-Fi, I'm running on a jetpack, so this is a portable Wi-Fi. Please be patient with us uh, if it comes in and out. You guys, we have Los Angeles in the house, Texas, Connecticut, Baltimore. Good morning. Good morning, Rita. The coffee is hot this morning, and it is much needed. We got Montana in the house, Florida. You know what? I love the cold, too. Germany, Dallas, California, Miami. That's what's up. So uh, check it out, you guys. This is a worldwide ministry, and uh, people from around the world are coming together to hear the Word of God, right? We are gathering together. We're reading Scripture collectively as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, I'm not reading to you. You guys are responsible for your own reading. I'm sharing some context, some insight. I'm sharing uh, just a little food for thought and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to use our gathering just to speak to us. Uh, many times I'm preaching to myself, but... But um, good morning. Uh, I love you guys. I honor you. Um, Ox underscore 1998. If you can't hear and everybody else can, that must be because you need to turn the volume up on your phone. Amen. 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 So check it out. Um, Let's jump right into it. Today is going to be, I'm going to keep it a little bit shorter and sweeter just because I don't want to freeze to death on a live Instagram uh, coffee and prayer that kind of defeats the purpose. But um, check it out. We are in Acts chapter 13. Can you guys put Acts chapter 13 in the comment section? That would be awesome. Again, I'm not reading it to you. You guys are reading it on your own. I'm going to share some context with you guys this morning. But what we see in Acts chapter 13, right? Thank you, Vicky. If you guys uh, remember yesterday, Peter, he got he, he got jailbroke. He got broke out of jail by an angel. He was, uh, he was kind of on the chopping block. It was the night before his trial. And an angel arrives, you know, kicks him in the side or says it strikes him, wakes him up out of a, a dead sleep and is like, hey, put your shoes on. Hey, put your shoes on. Hey, put your pants on. Like, bro, get your stuff together. I'm getting you out of here, right? I, I'm, I'm breaking you out of the clink. And he passes by some guards. The door's open. He arrives outside. He finally realizes this isn't a dream. I just got broke out of jail. He runs to uh, his friend's place, knocks on the door. Um, they can't believe that it's him. He's standing outside like, let me in. But they're in there arguing. That's not Peter. Peter's in jail. No, Peter, it must be the ghost of Peter. Who is it? I don't know. And he's just like, bro, like open the door. He finally gets in there. He shares with them you know, what's gone, what's gone down. And then, uh, you know, he takes off and he starts telling people, but that's kind of the last time, one of the last times we hear about Peter, he hops back up a little bit later, but we transition to the ministry of Saul. Here, we start to hear him go by the Greek uh, pronunciation or the Greek translation of his name. And he now becomes brother Paul. But what happens is Barnabas and Saul are chosen. They are in the church in Antioch and they're 
doing a, they're, they're doing some fasting, they're praying, they're worshiping the Lord. And during this time, the Holy Spirit came upon him and, uh, you know, spoke and said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to do a special work. So after they gave up eating and prayed, they laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul and sent them out. Something that uh, is, is important that you kind of see here, there's a shift in a balance of power. Up until this point, when they mention Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas always comes before Saul. Uh, and what we see here is even in chapter, you know, in, in, in uh, verse three, Barnabas and Saul are sent out. And then in, in that same, uh, in the same token, it says Barnabas and Saul sent out by the Holy Spirit went to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to the island of Cyprus. And then they came to, uh, it looks like it says Salamis, but I'm going to just say uh, Salamis, Salamis. And they preached the good news of God in the Jewish synagogues. And John Mark was there with them. And John Mark was uh, <clears throat> a relative of Barnabas. And so when they went to the, the island of Paphos, they met a Jewish magician there named Bar-Jesus. And he was a false prophet. Okay, And uh, the, the false prophet was always close to Sergius Paulus, who was the governor, a Roman governor. And so he asked Barnabas and Saul to come to him. But Bar-Jesus was like, no, he was trying to keep him away. And so when he tried to stop the governor from believing in Jesus, Saul reprimanded him. And he looked right at him and says, you son of the devil, you are an enemy of everything that is right. You are filled with evil tricks and lies. And you're always trying to change the Lord's truths into lies. Now the Lord will touch you and you will be blind. And in this moment, right, everything became dark for him. And he walked around trying to find someone to lead him by the hand. And when the governor saw this, he believed because he was amazed at the teachings of the Lord. Now here in verse 13, what you guys are going to see is that it now mentions Paul before Barnabas, right? Paul and those, uh, it, it's going to start talking about them in a different order. And, and what I believe, so Luke is writing the, the book of Acts and what you see is this transition of power. What we see is this, this transition of authority. Paul is being called up to a higher calling. Barnabas doesn't, it's not that he's lost his power. It's not that he's, he's, uh, he's done anything wrong necessarily, but we understand that Paul writes uh, a, a large portion of the New Testament. Uh, he starts stepping and walking in that authority and in that power. So Paul and those with him sailed from Paphos and came to Persia. They left John Mark to return to Jerusalem. And then they head over to the synagogue. It says, Paul and Barnabas, uh, they send a message to Paul and Barnabas. Brothers, if you have any message that will uh, encourage the people, please speak. So here they are on the Sabbath. They're sitting in the synagogue. They hear all of the readings. They hear everything. And they go, hey, you guys have anything you want to say? And this is beautiful because Paul's like, I, actually, I do. I do have something that I want to share. And he goes into, just like Stephen, <clears throat> if you guys remember before Stephen was martyred, our very first uh, uh, martyr here in the book of Acts, he does this historical narrative where he goes back and he breaks down the history of God's chosen people. And he does so in a chronological order that leads them through, you know, different stories and happenings up until the point of Jesus. And what we find here, as you guys read it, you'll see that he does the same thing. Paul mentions... Uh, God being patient with God's chosen people for 40 years and how he destroyed the seven nations in the land of Canaan. And then he talks about he gave them judges until this time of Samuel the prophet. And then he gave to them, uh, you know, God gave them the king, Saul, and then took him away after 40 years. And then they brought in David. <clears throat> and then he says from the lineage of David came Jesus. He even mentions John the Baptist who preached to all the people um, a, a, about a baptism of changed hearts and lives. So here we see Paul stand up in the synagogue 
synagogue on the Sabbath after their teaching. And he's starting to give this historical narrative to the Jews that are here in this place. And we understand, right, from what we know from the text, Paul's primary mission and who he preached to, who he ministered to, were the Gentiles. He was sent for individuals who weren't there, but it's almost like they're here and they're still offering it again to the Jews. But again, the Jews are still rejecting the gospel. And so uh, some powerful things that, that Paul speaks, he says, Jesus was the savior, right? Uh, the, the, the leaders, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, they could not find any real reason for Jesus to be put to death. And so they asked Pilate to have him killed, but God raised him up from the dead. And so now we're here and, and he's preaching you the good news and the promise that God made to all of our ancestors and that uh, he did so by raising Jesus from the dead. So he's preaching the gospel. He does this historical narrative, this buildup. And you know, they all understand that because they grew up as Jews. They grew up listening to these teachings and listening to the books of the prophets and understanding. And here Paul is breaking it down and saying, all of the books of the prophets and everything that you guys have learned have pointed to Jesus. God sent us Jesus. He was killed. He was crucified. He was buried in a tomb. And then three days later he rose. So he's here preaching the unadulterated pure gospel. And, and they're still in this place of rejecting him. He says, brothers, understand what we were telling you. You can have forgiveness of your sins through Jesus. The law of Moses could not free you from your sins, but through Jesus, everyone who believes is free from all sins. Can we get like, listen, he's preaching the gospel, the, the power when I'm reading this, you know, and this is, this is off the cuff. And this just came to my, my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Is that. Many times as pastors, preachers, ministers, is we complicate the message. We complicate the, the, what, what, what needs to be said, even as you guys serve others and are in ministry and trying to help other people. It's not, you know, the most powerful thing you can do is share the gospel is we don't need fancy props or we don't always need, I get it that sometimes it's helpful to make things. Jesus used parables. He used stories and able to, to help people understand. And so I get that as communicators, we use this, right? We, we use props and we use things to try to break things down in personal experience. But here we see the simplicity of the gospel and how it is effective. And it just reminds me that many times we complicate it. We make it harder than it has to be. Or we think that we have to have a specific message or we have to share things in a certain way. But by doing that, it's almost like we don't have faith that the Holy Spirit can make the impact that it needs to, it like it needs to make through simply preaching the gospel, right? And so it's not condemnation. I love props. You guys, I use my little light. I've used my cup. I've, I've used things. I've used props. I love them. And if your pastor uses props, props to him, no pun intended. Oh, all pun intended. Let me, let me, let me take that back. I completely meant to say that, but if you know, but, uh, and there's, there's no knocking that, but the simplicity of the gospel, don't feel like you as a communicator, as a child of God, as you're ministering to individuals and you're trying to help them, don't feel like you need to be super articulate or you need to have this set of words in a certain combination in order to impact people because it's not us who does the changing. 
It's God who does the changing. We simply need to lead people to that place. We guide them through our personal experiences, right? Through the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony, and then the simplicity of the gospel. And I believe that if we keep it simple, we will make a greater impact than when we try to, you know, do too much. Sometimes we're just doing too much. Sometimes we're just getting in the way, fumbling over our words and, and, and being confused. If you guys want to know a great place to start, start in the gospel. That's why we started in the gospel in the first place. When we started Coffee and Prayer, we took our time and worked our way through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because I want us to have a deep understanding of the life and times of Jesus and how, how, how simple his methods were. He loved people with truth. He didn't bully people and he didn't try to guilt people. He didn't shame people. He didn't wag his finger at people. He was frustrated, uh, at, you know, but but not to the point of sin. He flipped over the, the table and, you know, Jesus wasn't weak, but uh, he sure was empathetic and understanding and he used a simple method. And I believe that we need to get back to the basics of preaching the gospel. And I believe and know, I know that souls will be saved and impacted. Sometimes we just got to get out of our own way. Amen. And again, if uh, props are cool, sometimes I'm really engaged and I'm just like, oh, that's good. And sometimes it unlocks. I use this example. Uh, I've, okay, I've been in CrossFit, I've been a coach, I've been a trainer, I've been in fitness. And <clears throat> I could work with an individual. And let's just say the goal is to get them to squat below parallel, right? And if you guys don't know, you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, if When you squat, I want your butt to go lower than your knees. I want you to get down really low. So that's my goal as a trainer. And I spend months and I'm giving you cues. And I'm like, okay, sit back. And I want your chest up. And I want you to put your knees out away from each other. We don't want valgus knees. And I want you to get below. And for six months, I'm working with you and trying to help you. And you just can't get there. It doesn't compute. And then another trainer comes in and goes, hey, I want you to imagine that you're standing on a, a newspaper and I want you to tear the newspaper apart with your feet and then I want you to sit back like you're going to sit on a box. And then they get it just like that. And you're like, wait a second. So I've been trying this whole time for six months trying to get them there. And this is a true story. Like I've, I've, I've done this. You'll have clients who don't understand your cues, who don't respond to the feedback that you're giving them. And then somebody can come along and in an instant help them get somewhere that you've been trying to get them there. And it's the same with ministry. Sometimes the words and the way and the technique and the way that I'm sharing my testimony, it might not be uh, resonating with somebody. And so I'm trying to get them there. My heart's in the right place. And uh, you know what, what's happening is I'm tending the seed. I, I'm, I'm watering it. God's allowing me to water. He's allowing me to work with it and mold it. And then somebody comes in and reaps the harvest. And I should celebrate that because we got that person. I'm celebrating with my client. Oh, wow, that was awesome. So I high five the other trainer. There's no jealousy. There's no frustration. There's no envy. There's no, there's none of that. I'm excited because our goal was to get this person down there and they brought something new to the table. Many times that's why we need to be sent out in twos. Because if you and I go to minister to somebody, maybe the things that I'm saying don't resonate with an individual, but those experiences that you've gone through might be a better witnessing tool to them. So it's so important that, uh, and it's okay that other people use props and different techniques, but at the end of the day, the message must always come back to the gospel of Jesus Christ because that is good news. Amen? That is good news. Thank you, Jesus. So what we see here, again, is Paul ministering to them. He's talking about 
you know, through Jesus, everyone who believes has uh, is free from all sins. Emphasis, and I highlighted this, everyone who believes is free from all sins. Everyone, not just the Jews, not just the whites, not just the blacks or the Hispanics, not just those who waited to have sex until marriage, not just those who grew up in church, not just those who were baptized when they were babies, not just the people who look like us, but everyone, not because of anything that we've done, not because of our goodness, not because of our track record, not because we don't have a rap sheet, but because we believe in Jesus, because our faith is in him, we can attain, we can receive the free gift of salvation and the forgiveness of sins because of what Jesus did, not because of what we did. Everyone, you can't count people out. You can, yes, hallelujah, that's what I'm talking about. We can't discount people. We don't know people's hearts. We don't know their relationship. Somebody asked me the other day, and uh, they said, Andrew, which denomination of Christians are truly going to heaven? And I was like, that's an interesting question because our mindset, is it the Protestants? Is it the Methodist? Is it, you know, fill in the blank? And it's like... uh, I don't follow a denomination. I'm a follower of Jesus. But for me to say that a denomination is wrong and and one is the true denomination, it had me thinking, do people really think that? Are, Are people really concerned about denominations? Are people really concerned about, you know, which kind of church do you go to? And it's funny, I actually... Um, I lost, and I, I highly think that it was because of my answer. I couldn't really think of one, but... Uh, I, I lost a speaking engagement because the you know everything looked good and they were interviewing me and they were like, well, what denomination are you a part of? And I was like, I'm non-denominational. Like I, I follow Jesus, man. I follow the Bible. And they're like, well, okay, well, if you could say one, what would it be? And I was like, honestly, I I don't even know. I I, I don't adhere to a denomination. Period. And it was like, okay, but like I just kind of need to know to take it back to my elders and give them an idea. And I was like, I don't know, man. Pentecostal, I guess. And they were like, mmm, Pentecostal. I was like, yeah, but like I said, I don't have a denomination. I, that's just the first one that came to mind to give you an answer. And they were like, yeah, but they seem to be a little, uh, you know, out there. They lead a little eccentric. And I was like, right. But again, I, I don't know. But that was the wrong answer. That wasn't what they were looking for. I don't, I still to this day don't know what I was looking for. But I got an email back saying, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to uh, invite you out to our conference, whatever, yada, yada, yada. It was God's will. I wasn't supposed to be there. I accepted it with grace, but it had me scratching my head. Like, why are people so concerned with that? Why must I label myself? Why must I put uh, a tag on and say that I belong to this group? I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Christ, right? At the end of the day, I, I, I don't follow man. I follow Jesus. I follow the word of God. That shouldn't disqualify me, but so many people are wrapped up in title. And my point was this, right? I don't even remember what my point was. Denomination, somebody was asking which one gets saved. This is my point. And here it says that everyone. So there might be people who are uh, who are attached to different denominations who might not know Jesus. Because here's a newsflash for you. Just because you go to church or because you're a part of a church doesn't mean you know Christ. Doesn't know that your faith is in Jesus. It doesn't mean that. Can we all like be honest about that? Your church attendance doesn't tell us your relationship with Christ. Going to church doesn't mean being a part of a denomination doesn't know, doesn't mean that you know Jesus. Period. You don't. Have, it doesn't mean you have a relationship. It means that you are a part of a building. You're attached to the denomination. At the end of the day, that's 
I, I don't know your heart. So it's salvation is for everyone. There are going to be people in different denominations who might not make heaven their home. There's going to be people in different denominations who we might call, well, that's kind of a cult. Oh, well, that's not, that's sacrilegious. Oh, well, that's not even biblical, but we don't know their heart or their relationship. They might attach themselves to the title, but they might have a relationship. We need to step out of the seat of judgment and we need to stop trying to qualify and disqualify individuals based on our knowledge of outside of their appearance and what things look like. I believe that we're going to get to heaven and you're going to see some people there you never thought you were going to see. And there's going to be some people there who are missing and you're going to be like, wait a second, where's so-and-so? Because I could have swore they were, wait a second, this is kind of weird. Here, uh, here we are in heaven. We're out here doing our little angel dance and I see some people who aren't here. Wait a second. I think some of us are going to be surprised because we don't see people's hearts. We don't know their relationship. Amen. Mm, maybe we aren't ready for that on a Saturday morning. We should tickle ears this morning, right? Let's let's water this message down. We don't we ain't ready for this this morning. I'll tell you this. This is how cold it is. My coffee is cold. It was hot, right? And if I'm at home, this coffee would still be scorching and burning my face off. It's cold. It's cold. It's cold out here. Woo! Fingertips. All right. So moving forward. Now it says um, <clears throat> on the next Sabbath day. So, okay, he, he preaches, they're leaving the synagogue. The people want to know more about this. And so on the next Sabbath day, uh, they come back up and almost everyone in the city came this time. You guys understand that they can't like, so before it was, it was a Sabbath day. They did their readings. They stood up, you know, Paul gets up there and he does his little speech, not a little speech, but I'm not trying to demote it, but he does his speech. And the next Sabbath, the place is packed, right? They haven't had church like this. They haven't had this many people come in a long time. Imagine being a teacher of the law or a Pharisee. And you know, on average, you're getting 150, maybe 200 people. I'm just throwing numbers out there for illustration's sake. I don't. I don't know it's not even scriptural but let's just say you got 150 maybe 200 people and you're just like oh you know we're doing well but paul stands up one saturday the next saturday they come and everybody in the town we got five six seven hundred people everybody's here what's going to happen in your little heart because your heart's not right they start to get jealous they start to get frustrated it says seeing the crowd the jewish people became very jealous and said insulting things and started to argue against what paul said but paul and barnabas Right? Notice the order that they're speaking in now. Paul and Barnabas spoke very boldly, saying, we must speak the message of God to you first. So understanding is they're like, okay, we've been sent out. The Holy Spirit's anointed us and, you know, moved us out, sent us on a mission. Um, it, it's, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to once again, offer the Jewish people the gift of salvation. We're going to preach to them about Jesus. And it says, but you guys refuse to listen. You're judging yourselves not worthy of having eternal life. So we will now go to the people of other nations, right? Here I am. One, God's still being merciful, right? God is still extending this gift. He's just like, okay, John the Baptist, go for it. Okay, Jesus, here's your earthly ministry. Oh, they rejected him. Oh, put him on a cross. Oh, okay. He understood. He knew that was going to, and, and so here's the disciples, right? Here's the, here they are. And they're, they're, they're spreading the word and they're still trying to reach the Jews. And here's Paul. We know that Paul's most of his mission is for the Gentiles and other nations, but even Paul, he's him and Barnabas are just like, Hey, one more time. Are you guys ready? Right? Are, are you guys ready? He says, no. Okay. So now we got to go to the people of the other nations. 
And it's an answer to what the Lord told us to do, saying, I have made a light, made you a light for the nations. You will show people all over the world the way to be saved out of Isaiah 49, 6. So when those who were not Jewish heard Paul say this, they were happy and gave honor to the message of the Lord. And the people who were chosen to have life forever believed the message. So the message of the Lord was spreading through the whole country, but the Jewish people stirred up some of the most important religious women and leaders of the city, and they started trouble against Paul and Barnabas and forced them out of the area. So Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off their feet and went to Iconium, but the followers were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Come on, man. There is going to be opposition as you guys preach the gospel. It's not going to be easy. Like This is what, this is the beauty of it. Uh, and I, I love reading Acts because many times we get into this mindset that life should be easy, that uh, as we are spreading the gospel and sharing the love and transformational power of Jesus Christ, that it's going to be well recepted, uh, well received and well accepted, that there won't be any, um, you know, any issues. But it's so it, it couldn't be further from the truth. You're going to ruffle feathers. You're going to hurt feelers. You're going to break relationships. It's we, we went over it in the gospel that Jesus didn't come for peace. He came with a sword. And, and the word of God is confrontational. It breaks up the spirit of religion. It breaks up the hardness of hearts. It divides individuals. And it is confrontational. But we must do so with truth and love. Right. Knowing that it's confrontational. Some people, when they hear confrontational, they're just like, they're waiting. I wish somebody would. They're ready for that. But we have to understand how they did it. Right. Even though there was uh, confrontation, even though people were coming against them, even though there was opposition, they, they didn't get out of character. They didn't allow the opposition to change who they were in Christ. And that's what happens to us many times is as we're, you know, and it's a learning process. I, I still struggle with that uh, as a follower of Christ, as a minister of the word. I'll be doing my thing and sometimes the the noise or the barking of people, those things will start to, I can feel it wearing on my spirit. And I'm starting to get out of character. And it's like, whoa, 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 look, man, the spirit of God lives in me. The, the, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, all of those things, they, they reside in me. I need to not be rising to the occasion because that's a poor witness. I need to you know make sure I don't need to check my emotions or push them down. I have to understand that I'm a new creation. I am no longer quick to rage or quick to get upset. I need to make sure that I am living as Christ. I am living with the Holy Spirit inside of me and being, you know, walking in that character. The, the opposition is sure to come. It's going to happen. It's a part of it's it's a part of it. And that's what Acts reminds me is that hey, as you are standing on truth and preaching the gospel, there's going to be opposition. What did they do? They shook the dust off their sandals and they kept it moving. Right? They didn't stand there and try to debate. They didn't stay there and try to forcibly change people's minds. They and that's what a lot of us do is when we receive opposition. I get messages all the time. And people will ask, well, Andrew, you know, this atheist is going back and forth with me. Can you give me some scriptures that I can use to change their mind? And it's like, that's not my ministry. My ministry isn't debating. Uh, I'm not, a, I'm not in, I'm not into the apologetics. I'm not there um, constantly defending my faith, my mission, my mission that God has put on my heart. And again, if you're into apologetics and that's your thing, defending the faith, then more power to you. But for me, my mission is saving souls. I'm not, I, I don't feel drawn to be out here standing toe to toe with unbelievers trying to change their mind. I, I feel like there's a sense of urgency in the sense, in, in the fact that uh, there are people who 
are lost and, and need hope. They need light. They need Jesus. And so for me and my ministry, the mission that God put on my heart is if there's opposition when people are coming against it or trying to disprove, I don't even give my time, energy, or an effort to that. I just go, you know, the enemy's blinded your eyes. You're not ready to receive. And many times, even if I could show you tangible proof over and over and over and over, you reject it because you, 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 you don't believe. And I'm, there's nothing I'm going to say or do that's going to change your mind. Uh, and so all that does is frustrate me and get me in my feelings and emotions. And I waste a lot of time and that energy and effort that I could be using to save souls isn't. I'm, I'm just standing there arguing with somebody who doesn't want to hear and so again, if that's your calling, I love that. There are some people who are out there who are amazing. Uh, Frank Turek is one. I watch that stuff when they're standing, they're having debates with atheists and there's always like these mic drop moments because they're so good at it, but that's not my lane. I can definitely watch. I'm just like, ooh, tell them, tell them about God. Oh, wow. No, you're using science? Well, well, my guy is going to use science to let you know that there's God. And I get super hyped about it, but that's not my calling. You know, you guys watch those little TikTok videos where he goes, well, let me tell you. And then he just lights them up and they're just like, they have no rebuttal because, uh, you know, there is a God. Only a fool in their heart says that there is no God. <laughs> it's, it's evident. It's evident. But anyway, I, I digress. I'll move forward. Um, I get fired up by acts and I pray that that is what you guys are pulling from that you're pulling that boldness and that authority and that confidence but also the understanding that as you stand on truth there will be an opposition so don't uh don't be caught off guard you know prepare yourself and understand um that that's going to happen amen beautiful song psalm 95 we're going to throw that in the chat that's the next portion of your reading so you guys are reading uh somebody put that in there i know somebody's already got it ready for me um, Acts and Psalm 95. What do we got here? Yes. <sighs> My fingers are starting to get cold. I had the car on, but when I have it on, it's too loud. And so, and I'm recording my, my podcast. Again, if you guys haven't, uh, Coffee and Prayer with Andrew F. Carter on Spotify or on Anchor, please go um, go check out my little page there. Amen. There we go, G. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Uh, Acts 13 and Psalm 95. That is our reading for the day. Um, there's a couple of things that I highlighted that I want to share out of 95. You guys are reading this on your own. But it's singing praises to the Lord. I love these psalms. They, they just like, ah, oh, man. We drove to Big Bear yesterday, Kyra and I. And as we did, we listened to three of the Maverick City albums, one, two, and then we started into three. If you guys know, some of those songs are like 15 minutes long. But, um, I mean, we had it. I'm banging on the steering wheel. Ah, praising God. Ah, just like, just, you know, loving it. Because as we're driving, you know, we're also driving up this mountain and it's beautiful. We took our time. Um, it's not icy. It's not even, there's not even that much snow. It's just really cold. Right? It's just really cold, but it's not like what you, it wasn't dangerous by any means. A lot of you guys were like, be safe. We got here safely. But the, the music, and I mean, we were just worshiping. And as we're driving up, there's these, you know, I haven't been to Big Bear since I was probably like, you know, five or six years old, like just a kid. So it's the first time I've been up here. I'm from Oregon. And so as we're coming up, there's just these amazing rock structures and the beautiful mountains and the, the water and the trees. And it's just like, oh, and we're praising God. And I ask her, because there's some homes that are built on these rocks, right? And you know that that's like my favorite analogy. And I'm just like, would you, what would you rather have, babe? Would you rather 
have a house on the beach or a house on the rock? It's a loaded question. She knows where I'm going with it. But she was just like, on the beach. I was like, no, we want our house on the rock. And she was like, I know scripturally, but she was like, I like the sun and I like the beach and the water. And I was like, but, but, but I mean, think about longevity. A tsunami can come in and, and wipe away your home. And she was just like, yeah, but we could have an avalanche and it would destroy your house on the rocks. And I, I was trying to find like a foothold to, to really have a good idea. And then we're driving and you can see where there was these like <laughs> these landslides where the rock was shifting consistently. And, um, you know, I don't even know what the point of that was. It was just our conversation. We're worshiping and we're we're having conversations. And I was like, no, I'm convinced I'd want to build it on the rock. But this, in verse 1, it says, Come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Man, the rock of our salvation. And the rocks that I was talking about, we were outside of the landslide area. There are some really cool homes that are built on these big boulders, these big rocks. And I'm just like, those homes will never be moved. And that's what I want my relationship with God to be. I want my relationship, I want my life to be built on the rock. No matter what comes my way, the death of a loved one, a tragic accident, whatever happens, you know, somebody getting sick and losing somebody, my job falling through, like whatever, no matter what life throws at me, and those are terrible things, I still don't want to be moved because I understand what this life is. That it's a dress rehearsal, that it's that it's temporary, that everything and everyone has an expiration date. We don't get to cho- excuse me. We don't get to choose when uh, we die or how we die or you know. Many times it's unexpected. Many times it hurts and pain. But I want to be so solid in my relationship and understanding of who I am in God's eyes and Him dwelling inside of me that I am unmoved. And I'm unmoved. It doesn't mean that I don't have emotions or feelings or I don't grieve. That's not what I'm saying. But I want it. I want to be in a place where uh, the Christ, like the Holy Spirit in me, won't allow me to be moved, and that people are drawn to me and they look to me uh, to point them to Jesus. That they understand because I'm built on this rock, they see the same things happening to me that's happening to them. Yet I'm unmoved, right? As a follower of Jesus, I understand what I have, and and, and I have all that I need. And so I want that to be a testimony to other people is they're going through experiences. They're, they're looking at me going, why aren't you moved? Why aren't you being tossed about? Because the same thing happened to me and I was tossed about and my life was falling apart. And I want to be able to say, Jesus, that's why I'm not moved because I'm building my life on the rock. It hurts. It's not easy. It can be challenging. But Jesus, Jesus is the answer. That, my friends, is a powerful testimony. But many of us, as the things of life happen, we're so swayed. What does it say in the word? It says that you're tossed about like a a, a leaf on the waves. And I get this picture. Think of a little leaf and it's on the waves and it's just being tossed about as the waves are going and the leaf is going this way and that way and it's going underwater and it's being tossed up and it's constantly being just tossed around and thrown around. And that's many of us in this life. We have no solid footing. We haven't grounded ourselves on the rock. We don't know who he is in us and we don't know who we are in him. We have an identity crisis where we're still identifying with this world. We haven't solidified who we are and built ourselves on 
the rock. And as uh, from a testimony standpoint, as we're trying to share the love of Jesus, other people might be looking and go, man, you got Jesus, but why are you always so overwhelmed? Why are you always so stressed out? Why do you not have any victory? If your God is so great, why aren't you, why, why aren't you standing strong in these moments? But you're tossed around like a leaf or on the ocean. And that's, that's what, I mean, as a Christian, right? And, and I'm not saying this is me. I'm not saying I got it together. But uh, from an outsider looking in, I want people to see. And, and this was a, a, this is a compliment from my brother, Fred. And I had to correct him. We were working out a couple of Saturdays, a couple, like last Sunday or something like that. And he was just like, man, you, you, you seem like you got it all together. And I was like, bro, <laughs> I don't have it all together. I'm on the same level as you guys. I have nothing figured out. My life could be a complete mess sometimes from, from my own choices and decisions and behaviors and pasts and all of these things. I have nothing figured out. And he goes, well, why does it appear? Like it, it looks like it. And I go, glory to God. Glory to God because I don't. Because the only thing that I have is a solid foundation of who Jesus is and who God is, how he, where he dwells. That's the only thing that I have. That's it. It's not by my own strength. It's not by my own might. It's not, it's not by anything that I've done. It's not by a special prayer that I've said. I don't have VIP access. I don't have exclusive uh, access to God. Like it's only because of him. It's only because of him. It's only because of him. I am just a guy in a Jeep who loves Jesus. I am nobody special. I have the same access to the word of God that you do. I have the same 24 hours in a day that you do. And I pray, it's my heart's prayer that you guys understand that as you want to go deeper in God, right? It says, if you knock, he will answer. If you draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you, right? If you invite him in, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way into your life. He's not going to compete with everything. He's not going to step in and, and tear things down just to find a place. He wants to be invited in. He wants to be desired. He wants that intimacy. Right now, I want you to invite him in and say, Lord, I, I need more of you. And then when I invite him in, I clear a space. I'm not going to have him try to sit down at my cluttery table where I've got books on the chair and I, I've got all my mess scattered around. I'm not saying you got to clean up, but I need to make a little, I got to make some space. I got to knock the books off there and say, Lord, sit right here. Sit at the, the, the head of the seat right here, this place. I want you first in my life. And he will come in and clean things up. He will come in and start to move things around. He'll come in and start to organize things. Those addictions, he'll take care of them. He'll cleanse you. He'll wrap those up and you'll be transformed. Those, those things that you're struggling with, that guilt, that shame, your past, your regrets, he'll get those things. He'll wrap them up and he'll throw them into the, the, the sea of forgetfulness. Amen. God is so good and he loves you and he desires a relationship with you. And he is the rock. Let's get back to Psalms. My Lord, how do we get here? Now, verse 2 says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. <sighs> thanksgiving. And that's a hard concept. You guys are reading Psalm 95 on your own. That's where I'm going to stop. But I'm going to say this. This is what I'm going to end with. Is It's not always easy to be thankful in the midst of our circumstances. But it is our choice. Right? It doesn't say to be thankful for, like we don't have to be thankful for it happening, but we have to be thankful in it, right? In, in all things, be thankful, 
right? I don't have to be thankful for somebody touching me wrong when I was a kid. I don't have to be thankful for, you know, being assaulted. I don't have to thank, I don't have to thank anybody for uh, being cheated on. I don't have to, I don't have to be thankful for it, for the things that have happened, for those things. I'm speaking to somebody. You don't have to be thankful for it, but you have to be thankful in it, in all things, right? Those things do not define you. That is not who you are. God can use those things, those those terrible things, those shameful things, those hurtful things, those things that make you feel like it's time to give up. He can use those to bring glory to his name. You can he he will allow those things to shape you. He will allow those things to be a part of your testimony so that you can uh help others who are in those same situations come out of them and put their faith in Jesus. Amen. It's a mindset it's a mindset shift. It's a heart posture shift. Uh, and, and we shift our mind, right? I want to renew my mind every day by challenging it with the word of God. My thoughts, my ideas, my behaviors, the things that don't line up with him and his word, they need to be changed. I need my opinions to be changed. There might be some weird things that I think and believe, but I need them to be changed and sharpened and challenged through the word because the word is the truth. So anything that I have in the way that I'm living that doesn't line up with truth, I need to allow it to confront me, to convict me, and to shape me and make me more like Jesus. Amen. So we need to, so what, I don't want to say we need to, but um, being thankful uh, in, in all things is, is a must. It's, it's, but it, it can be challenging. I don't want to sit here and try to be, you know, not be empathetic to what you've gone through, but um, thankfulness. What are some things that you can be thankful for today, right? I'm thankful for heat. I'm thankful for food. I'm thankful for shelter. Um, I'm thankful for you guys, all 390 of you. Um, God is, is <clears throat> from this group, God is forging some solid relationships, some friendships. Uh, I believe God is strategically putting people in certain places in my life, uh, you know, locally. And I'm super excited about um, developing some of these relationships. I'm, I'm so thankful. Right? Do I have a lot of things that I, I could be mad about or upset about? Absolutely. Things that I should be ashamed of or, or, or regrets. There's all kinds of stuff. But the thing is, is I'm no longer that person. I woke up today and today is filled with new grace and new mercy and, and it's a fresh start. It's a fresh start for me to be filled with gratitude, thankfulness, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be moved by the Spirit, to deny my flesh. And I take it one day at a time, one day at a time, thankful for this group, thankful for food and gas money, thankful for God's loving mercies. Thankful for seeing another day, for everyone in here, for my job, family. Thankful for a lot of stuff. Look at that. Yulia, uh, congratulations on getting a job. Thankful for me. Well, I'm thankful for you guys. Glory to God. So before uh, I, I pass away from hypothermia, sitting in this Jeep for Jesus, I'd like to pray. Um and I say that because it is freezing and my fingers are starting to become red and purple. And um, <clears throat> as much as I love spending time with you guys, I need to go warm up uh, because we got a long day of um, activities. Amen. So first off, before we start, I just want to thank you guys for your donations and the badges. $80.98. $80 thank you guys. It goes to our church 
Next service is on the 20th, February 20th. If you guys are in the uh, Southern California area, we've had people come from Vegas. We've had people come from, uh, you know, all over. I, I, I can't, I was, I was going to list a bunch of places. I can't even list a bunch of places. Um, but we've had people like literally drive and fly all the way out because it's once a month. It's a once a month service, February 20th. Um, would love to see you guys there. Would love to meet you, shake your hand, give you a big hug, pray for you. It's, um, you know, it's definitely worth the drive, but here's the thing, and I'm going to preach on this a little bit. Y'all got to be on time. You guys got to, oh, no, I'm going to give you guys a little quick mini sermon, just a little preview, okay? And then we'll pray. God will sustain me, okay? God will sustain me. Uh, church starts at 10. You guys, my church service, Royal City Church uh, has an Instagram page. If you go to my bio, it says that I'm the lead pastor of it. Click it. It gives you all of the information, the time, the location, all of those things. But here's what, here's what, what happened. So, we're driving to an appointment yesterday before we leave and we were running about, I don't know, five, 10 minutes late. So I tell Kyra, you know, give me the phone number. I want to call and I want to give them a heads up. And she's like, you don't got to do that. And I go, well, that's just common courtesy. When I'm late, I just want, I, that's just like how I'm built. I'm from Oregon. There's a lot more, what, I, what I'm finding is that people are a lot more respectful of other people's time. So, and she wasn't being rude. She was just like, no, but, but it's LA. And when she said that, the Holy Spirit, I go, it's LA. I go, man, I hear that all the time because in LA, <clears throat> everybody's late. Nobody cares about your time. Nobody really cares or respects uh, other people's time. If something's at 10, everybody shows up at 10, 15, 10, 30. Now, I know a lot of it has to do with traffic, but also it just takes a little bit of planning, understanding where you live. Oh, it's LA. Let's leave 15, 20 minutes earlier than we should so that we can actually get there on time. But it got me thinking. I've, I've been here for almost two years, and that's what I always hear. Oh, well, it's LA. Well, it's LA. Well, it's LA. And, and so I asked the question, should I stop being respectful of other, other people's time? Should I stop being who God has called me to be because it's LA? Should I conform to my environment and become rude? Should I not call ahead because it's LA? Should I not stop? You know, should I, should I not respect other people's times? And, and that's what the message was is how often, and I was going to ask this, how many people grew up in LA? right? Not a lot of people, but let me ask you this. Have you changed since you've been here? Have you started to become something that you're not? Have you started to uh, not respect people's times? How many of us allow an environment to change who we are? I was convicted. I was like, you know what? No, man, I'm going to call. I'm going to do it because I'm not going to allow LA to change who I am and to become somebody who I'm not just because it's what's the norm. Just because that's what, like if, if sacrificing babies was the norm or like, Oh, it's just LA. Let me just, <laughs> let me just jump on board because of my environment. No, I don't want to be changed because of my environment. I don't want to be changed because everybody does just because everybody's rude. Doesn't mean that I need to be rude because it's LA. I was like, in my spirit frustrated, but not in like a, a angry way. And we, I ran this sermon off where I was like, let me like, hear this, hear this out. And so I'm still trying to develop it, but it was, it was just like, it irked me. Is anybody else like that? Like, ugh. And it's not just being late. You hear this about LA. There's certain things that are just accepted and you're supposed to just accept it because it's the environment. And it's like, no, you guys are masking the fact that you're being rude and disrespectful because of your environment and because that's the norm. So because that's the norm, we're all going to compromise and become somebody who we're not just to fit in. I don't like it, right? I don't like it. Anyway, 
random rant. That was just a random sermon out of nowhere. That um, and that's how we roll. We're 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 out, uh, and I'm not trying to hype us up. Like we're we're I'm I'm gonna stay humble, but that's what we do as we're driving. We're listening to worship music, and we're bouncing ideas up, and we're talking about all this crazy stuff. But um, it's definitely it's definitely fun. I love my wife, and I, I love that she allows me to be a sounding board for um, the stuff that uh, I share. So anyway, um, for real, for real, I got to get out of here. But yes, thank you guys for your badges. I appreciate it. Church is on the 20th. That was the whole point. And then tomorrow, if you guys are in the Malibu area, please, uh, I would love to see you guys. We are doing something at three o'clock PM tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Okay. Uh, that is the sixth. If you guys go to my profile there, I posted a, 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 a little snippet of what we're doing. It was a picture post. It gives the location. It gives the time. It's going to be awesome. I know I got a couple brothers who are on here who are going to be um, there. I would love to see you guys out there tomorrow in Malibu. Bring your coat. It's going to be windy and cold. We're going to do a bonfire. There he is right there. My brother Christian Rave. I get a chance to meet him in person tomorrow. So uh, I'm excited. Malibu is where it is at. On the beach. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. And let's let me get up out of here. All right. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We are so thankful and grateful for the time that we get to spend with you. Um, just this collective, this community of followers of Jesus that um, are here. God, we're, we're so thankful. Lord, each and every one of us are going through something different. It varies by degree. Some are in seasons of victory. Some are in seasons of wilderness. Some are in seasons of singleness. Some are in seasons of grief. We're all at different you know, places, but God, you've brought us together. And, and the, the foundation is, is you. It's your word. It's prayer. And so right there, God, the, the little things, we're so thankful for this community. We ask that you would continue to grow us, not in number, but in our heart, in our own personal relationship, that you would reveal to us who we are in your eyes, that we would start seeing ourselves as you see us, that we would start walking in boldness and authority, that we would start having the same kind of confidence that the early apostles had when they preached the gospel and changed the world. God, we pray for revival. Lord, help us to be instruments. Help us to be used God, help us to be a part of your mighty movement. Lord, we want you to raise up kingdom men and women, kingdom warriors in this place who stand on your word, who stand on your gospel and preach it without shame, without regret, without it being watered down or, or, or you know, diluted to tickle ears or to fill seats. God, help us to be true to you and your word. God, we need you. We love you. And we thank you. Right now, we want to lift up prayer requests for my brothers and sisters on the other side of this screen. And we pray that your will would be done because that's what we want. We want your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven and nothing else. If it's not a part of your will, Lord, we do not want it. And God, forgive us for our mistakes, our failures, when we miss the mark, any of our sins. Uh, we just ask that you would forgive us um, and that we would learn from them. Help us not to uh, help us not to miss the opportunity to grow and to learn and to do better and not to return to our mistakes and our failures. Help us to use those opportunities to be refined and uh, to be more like your son, Jesus. Uh, we pray this all in his mighty name. Amen and amen. I love you guys. I honor you. 
And even though I say that we're going to be shorter today, we have still gone 52 minutes. And it never ceases to amaze me that God shows up and shows out even when I'm just like, well, we'll just go 30 today. And here we are 52 minutes later, knee deep, chest deep in his love, filled with the Holy Spirit, with his holy presence, surrounded by brothers and sisters from around the world. Glory to God. (laughs) God is so good. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just give him praise for just a moment before we get out of here. God, you are good. You are worthy. Lord, you deserve praise. You are holy. We just honor you and we praise you. We are so thankful. God, so thankful. Mm, Amen. I love you guys. I honor you. I will see you all tomorrow back here. I'm still here. I don't drive to Malibu until after coffee and prayer. So we're going to have another cold morning but uh you know as long as god puts breath in these lungs i'm gonna show up and show out and um i will be here for you guys so i love you i honor you and i'll see you all tomorrow god bless you guys